Smithers, hand me that ice cream scoop. Ice cream scoop? Damn it, Smithers. This isn't rocket science. It's brain surgery. Hello. Look at me. I'm Davy Crockett. <laughs> Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount, proudly brought to you by the Simpsons Quotes that nobody gets anymore Facebook page and nohomers.net. I am Dando. I am Mitch. And today we're here to review Treehouse of Horror 2, which I'm really looking forward to. But before then, it's been a big week, hasn't it, in the world of Four Finger Discount? It has been. Who did we speak to last Friday? Fat Tony himself, Joe Montaigne. I shit myself, because that is probably the biggest celebrity. It, no, it is. It is it definitely is. the it's biggest. He's not just a Simpsons celebrity. He's a mainstream celebrity. Huge. Uh, I know. I got a message through from a friend of mine who's you know likes the Simpsons, but may not be a, an avid listener of the show, going... Holy shit, like you got the Criminal Minds guy. <laughs> I, was, I was talking to the guys at work. I said, because I, I was late for work that day. I said, I've just been interviewing the guy that voices Fat Tony. They're like, oh yeah, cool, go on, it's this guy. They're like, that's the Criminal Minds guy. Yeah. <laughs> but if you haven't listened to it yet, make sure you check it out. It's on fourfingerdiscount.com.au. I'm really proud of the interview, to be honest, like the way it came out. And it's a great interview to, to learn a little bit about the guy. The cheap thing, I think, would have been to just go tell us everything about Fat Tony for half an hour. But, you know, you like you really do learn a lot about Joe's career and it's, it's a great career. And he seems like one of the, like, just impossibly fucking nice. Like, it's, yeah, like, you could not have asked for a better person to talk to. It relaxed me a lot because obviously we had the technical difficulties in regards to the time. We were a bit late. He didn't care at all. Yeah. He was like, how long do you want? 30 minutes? Okay, cool. Let's do it. Yeah. I was like, wow, what a I, man. Yeah. But as you said, though, we didn't just want to talk about The Simpsons because he has offered so much more to the world of entertainment than just The Simpsons. So it would have been rude to just focus on The Simpsons. Of course. So you bear that in mind if you're listening to the podcast that don't expect it to just be a quote-a-thon. That's not what we were going for. Also, before we get into the review, how did your anniversary go? One year anniversary, you finally made it. I did. I know. She didn't kill me. She didn't kill you. Yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah, you must cook good food. Because you're the chef in this relationship. I am the chef. No, it was it was good. Got away, got camping. Now, you and camping, I just it's not a combination <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> no, it was awful. <laughs> I uh, never again. No, I, I would go again, but with some significant changes. With a caravan of TV and stuff. And a bed. <laughs> oh, my hips. Really? <laughs> I, I woke up like an old man at three in the morning. It was like, I have to go for a walk. I can't handle this anymore. Really? <laughs> I, uh, and we were in a place in the Otways. It was like one of the most southern points of Victoria. And at about three in the morning, I walked down to the beachfront. Great Ocean Road for those of you yeah. playing at home. And I lasted in the beach for about 30 seconds because it's pitch black. And as much as I've got a torch, the surf there is unbelievable it's like huge waves bigger than I've ever seen before Bells Beach is the, one of the best surfing beaches in the world yeah but this is you know several hours I know, further it's, it's down for people there, yeah. not from here so for me it's like you know you're, you're looking straight south it's like waves that are coming off of Antarctica itself I felt like I was at the end of the planet and that in the pure in the pitch blackness I was like I could just disappear and yeah. no one would know and I panicked and I went back to land <laughs> <laughs> well on that note let's get into our review so what did you remember about Treehouse of Horror 2? Uh, that off the top of my head, it doesn't... Like, not to say that it was bad, but it it's not one of the strongest ones, in my opinion. It's kind of got some good classical horror parodies and nods, but I don't know that it's the funniest that they've done. I think the third segment is the best of the three. Now, I've got it here that I refer to it as, like, the forgotten Treehouse of Horror. Yeah. Because putting it on, 
I didn't do any research into, into the episode before going back and watching it. Okay. I couldn't have told you any of the segments. I couldn't remember what segments aired on this Treehouse of Horror. Yeah, right. So, well, yeah, no, I could probably... I'd be in the same boat. The segments themselves, once seeing, like, the opening five seconds, is like, oh, yep, I know where this is going. But, yeah, if someone had have said what happens in Treehouse of Horror 2, I probably wouldn't have been able to tell you off the top of my head either. And I had completely, completely forgotten about segment two, Bart's dream, with the taking on the Twilight Zone. Where he's the, the monster oh, kid. really? Okay. I have not seen that in, I reckon, 15 years. Right. Okay. I just completely, it completely escaped me. Okay. That's one that I, look, as much as I hadn't seen it for a while either, I really enjoyed that uh, in the Twilight Zone movie. That's one of the segments that they do in the film, and I really, really enjoyed that segment. So, I think it kind of always connected a little bit stronger for me because of that. I think Harry did a really great voice as the narrator. As Rod Serling, yeah. yeah. You know, he didn't, uh, they didn't necessarily know that he could do that. They yeah. just threw it at him. They were, like assigned it to him, and he he peeled that off, and it just completely caught him off yeah. guard. Like we need you to be Rod Serling. Like, All right, <laughs> he nailed it though. <laughs> so the original air date was this is what I love October thirty first, nineteen ninety one. Yeah, nailed it. I love it when they they did it on the Thanksgiving one as well when they air it on the exact date it's supposed to be airing. Yeah. Now one thing I also noticed here was there's no chalk or couch gag because back then the Trias of Horror. Chalk gags, I guess you could say, were the gravestone gags. Yeah, well, and this was the first one to have the wacky credits. Yep, as well, because Al Jean apparently pitched that, and they liked doing it, but then it got a bit of a burden, trying to think of trying to think of something scary new every names, time. Yeah. and it became just funny names, and then they dropped it for trios of horror yeah. 12 and 13. What would we be? Murder and Mitch Grinter and uh, De- De- Deadly Dando. That will do. Off the top of my head. <laughs> that's for season one. And that's why we're not writing for the Simpsons. <laughs> but after 12 and 13, they brought them back because apparently people complained. So, now they're back in the Trias of Horrors again. Now, a few facts about the episode. Lisa's dream was inspired by W.W. Jacobs' short story, The Monkey's Paw. Obviously, this is the Monkey's mm-hmm. Paw segment. Which I believe was written in 1902. Yeah, I think, yeah, something about that. And it was also the new Twilight Zone episode, A Small Talent for War. Apparently, that mm. played a bit of inspiration into this segment into as well. Into the alien side Invading. of it, yes. Yeah, because it was sort of like two different segments, wasn't it? Yeah. Talking to one. Uh, but Stream, as you said, was a parody of the Twilight Zone episode, It's a Good Life, which mm-hmm. you said was one of your favourite segments as well. Yep. I've got here, though, with this Trias of Horror, because of the earlier ones, you know how the Halloween of Horror in the season 27, it was the first in canon yeah, horror episode? Yeah, horror episode. But the early Trias of Horrors were sort of in canon as well, in regards to the bits in between the segments. Yeah, that's true, in that they did have the little wraparound or stitched together moments, although then occasionally that would bleed out into the end, like in this where it's, is it a dream within a dream or not, at, at the, the end, end when yeah. Burns wakes up. Or but like the, the first one wasn't. The fog that turns you inside out as well is something where yep. the bits that are happening between episodes... To kind of, to, I was just trying to think of exactly how that happens in my head, but I'm sure that it's one of those bits where you think that the segment has over, and they're like, "Well, we don't have anything to worry about now, apart from that fog that turns you inside out." And then there's the wacky dance number. That's Trials of Horror Five. Yeah, yep. But I mean, for the first, if you don't include this one, because the end, the end's got a bit of a wacky ending with Mr. Burns's head. But Trials of Horror One's just the kids telling stories in the treehouse yep. on Halloween. Yeah. So that's sort of how's it not in canon. And then Treehouse of Horror 3 is just everyone telling stories. Remember when Marge is passing around the meat and the yeah. grapes and stuff? So that's in canon as well. Homer eats them all. Yeah, so that's technically in canon as well. Yeah. But it's just a bit of a technicality. Also, another fact... You know why they, sorry, you know why they dropped doing that? Because it became too hard to write them. Uh, no, because they ran out of time. Fox started showing more commercials, so they had less minutes that they could actually use in show. So that's why in the later Treehouse of Horrors, they didn't have those little segments in between the segments. I thought I remember reading that Conan O'Brien wrote the last one and it was the fourth one where Bart's talking in front of the paintings mm. and Conan O'Brien found it such a pain in the ass to have to write that stuff. They, they scrapped it afterwards, but maybe 
Where did you read your source? Uh, L. Jean. Uh, just this little guy that works on the show. I don't know if you've heard of him. I was Wikipedia, <laughs> so I trumped that. <laughs> <laughs> and also, one more fact before we get into the full review. Sam Simon actually wanted the paw, when the fingers were going down for it, to have the middle to finger. To be the middle finger. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't get that through the senses. Or they just didn't even attempt it. They said, look, Sam, this is not going to happen. Fox is not going to allow it. And basically, had he gone through with it, and then Fox said no, there would have been no time to go back and re Yeah, right. So, they just went without the it. The irony being, nowadays... Th- Fox would, you know, that'd be fine. That'd yeah. have an entire episode based around the middle finger. <laughs> exactly. So it kicks off with one of Marge's disclaimers, which by this point seem kind of pointless. They're not even funny. They're just, I, I think they brought it in the first one to warn kids this is going to be different. It's going to be a bit scary. But well, this, I think, one, this one sort of served no purpose. Was, well, the purpose of this one was that it was mocking the last one. Mocking, yeah, that's what I thought. Was, taking the piss. Yeah, yeah. They, they were mocking themselves. And they do that a few times throughout the this Treehouse of Horror episode. But it was getting in on the fact that we warned you last time, you still watched it anyway. You know, it's going to be the same. Yeah. And while, you know, the modern day Treehouse of Horrors are a lot more violent, again, when you think back to the early standards of the 90s, this was still fairly out there for kids to yeah. be watching. So I'm sort of looking at it from today's perspective, but like you said, if you think about it, early 90s, and what yeah, is pushing the boundaries. What had been shown on TV up to that point and where sort of society's morals were at, yeah, like it was, it was a show that probably did need a genuine warning and people just ignored it. So then we get the traditional Treehouse of Horror opening with the gravestones. A couple of my favourites were Walt Disney and Bambi's mum. Cajun cooking. I knew you would like Cajun (laughs) cooking. That's why I left it off my list. I think it's the alliteration. (laughs) Yeah. And did you notice who was scurrying past... The uh, uh, Charlie Brown Yeah the Peanuts gang Yeah like, Dressed awesome as that? ghosts How that cool was, is that That was really cool Yeah uh, The, the colours were a bit off But you can tell it's them Yeah yeah. So then uh, Homer it's Just enough to not be sued Yes Yeah yeah So then Homer's staying at home He's watching TV And the family are out trick or treating And the bullies arrive And they want treats And he says that you guys aren't even dressed up They threaten him If he doesn't give them They're going to eat the house Yeah He does They eat the house anyway Yeah And then the kids come home I did love Homer's reaction When they tip out all the candy Get a good haul this year? <laughs> Jackpot! I'm very, very proud of you. He's just so happy. And then Lisa gets into one of her, you know, self-righteous, I am this character because blah, 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 because I'm intelligent, but just pushes her over. That's exactly how yeah. I thought about the situation. I'm like, just shut up, Lisa. Yeah, that was pretty <laughs> funny. It's such a typical Lisa costume as well. Like, she's trying to, you know, making some political point and that yeah. sort of thing. I also really enjoyed, like, it's a small thing, but they just threw a few gags into the little segment and... Kent Brockman talking about the, don't forget, the presidential primaries are just six months away. Yeah. He's like, hey, if you don't like it, move to Russia. <laughs> no, I don't get that. Uh, it was just different political voting process, basically. Oh, so, like, okay. the American, as you, as you would be aware, we're in the middle of it. The yeah. American presidential campaign I watch some goes for <laughs> years, it, does, it seems. Yeah. Like, it just is a really, really long time. Bart's obviously pushed over Lisa, and everyone starts overeating the candy. Marge says, if you keep eating it, you're going to have a nightmare. Yeah. They say, yeah, sure, whatever. Then there's the lightning strike. I think there's, there's a few bits of this episode where it's really wacky and over the top, like the lightning striking and then them looking all scared because mm. they think they're pondering whether Marge, what Marge says is actually going to come true. So then it cuts to Lisa still eating candy in bed, which I thought was hilarious. Yes. And then I, what I did like though was that she's going to eat the last one and she sort of contemplates and goes, you know what? I've had enough. And she puts, <laughs> puts on the side table, goes to sleep. You need candy for when you wake up. Oh, That's a thing. Exactly right. Yeah. And then I've got here... The segments don't have titles. I didn't pick up on it. No, they didn't. I had to kind of jump on a Wikipedia to see if there was anything, but no, no not really. Just referred to as Lisa's dream, Bart's dream, and Homer's dream. Mm. So obviously the first one is, let's just call it the monkey paw, I guess is that what you want to call it? Or just Lisa's dream. Yeah, Lisa's dream. How about Lisa's dream, brackets, the monkey paw? Close brackets. Or other way around. The monkey paw, brackets, Lisa dream, close brackets. So they're in Morocco for some random reason, which 
it's not really explained. I guess they're on a family holiday or no, whatever. It's only a dream. They can be wherever they want. Yeah, exactly right. It's one of the again. It's like the dreams in a way, or not in, in a very obvious way, are very reflective of the self conscious subconscious of each character. So it yeah. would make sense that Lisa would be dreaming about a kind of exotic, relatively unknown to the masses country being away from springfield yeah exactly <laughs> getting away i did like when the guy was doing the funny dance but it's like i can do it but i don't want to yeah i've used that a few times in my life yep <laughs> i think we've all done that and then homer notices that this guy is a stall and he buys the monkey paw and the guy says it is a monkey's paw dating back to our lalbinabda it has the power to grant wishes to its owner yeah? How much? Sir, I must strongly advise you to not purchase this. Behind every wish lurks grave misfortune. I myself was once president of Algeria. Come on, pal. I don't want to hear your life story. Paw me! And then Marge says, where'd you get it from? I did love the bait and switch gag here. It was yeah. right over there. No, it was over there. Yeah. Now, when he says, you'll be sorry, his mouth doesn't move. And the animators didn't realize this until after the episode aired. So, it was too late to go back and fix it. Oh, okay. Yeah, so if you watch it, he says, you'll be sorry. His mouth just... Just gets nothing. Yeah, just the same. We then cut to the airport scene. Now, initially, I sort of thought, what was the purpose of this scene? Makes no sense. Movie parody. I know it's a movie parody, but what is the purpose of it in this scene? Now, it's because I guess you needed to show the Simpsons going back home. Because the rest of the episode, the rest of the segment is them in Springfield. Yeah. So, you can't just cut from them in Morocco to them, so back, them in Springfield. back in their house. Yeah, that's true. They did need a little... Bit Segway. of a transition, yeah. Yeah. Now, what is the parody of? Uh, the Midnight Express, which is a uh, film based on a true story about a young American caught by Turkish police while attempting to smuggle hash really? out of true Istanbul. Story. Yeah. I've never seen a Midnight Express quality I, movie. I honestly haven't watched that one either, to be to be perfectly frank. Really? A I'm movie sorry. you haven't watched? I know. People will be writing in. Wow. How I, dare you call yourself a movie fan? I no longer want to do this show with you, man. <laughs> I feel dirty. You've lost all respect. I did like Homer's, don't shoot, don't shoot, there's who it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like the whole... Anyway, so moving on. Two American dollars. Yes. It's like when we go to Bali. <laughs> yeah. Can I suggest a drinking game for Four Finger Discount fans, by the way? Every time Dando says, moving along, take yeah. a shot. Or I do say moving along a lot, and I do say, so then... I'll say, so yeah. then Maggie, <laughs> so then this, so then that. I need to stop saying it. So then they get back home <laughs> to Springfield, and uh, Maggie makes the first wish. They're arguing who gets who gets to make the first wish. Maggie makes the first one. They think it's a new car. It's actually a new pacifier, which is yep. another funny bait and switch uh, yep. joke, similar to the stall one. Then Bart snatches it and wishes to be rich and famous. Homer's very happy with this. No, well, he you don't gloss over that. Bart actually wishes for the whole family to be rich. I wish the Simpson family were rich. Yeah, it's one of the least selfish things that Bart could have done in that particular incident. He doesn't just say, "I wish I was rich," which would have been the easy thing for a ten-year-old boy to do. He wants everyone to be rich. Well, it worked out well for the Simpsons. It, it works well for the writers as well to then get all of the future <laughs> gags that they throw in there of, of um, Simpsons sort of saturating the the advertising market space. But still, I just thought it was a, a nice Bart moment of giving. Do you think, though, like you said, then it is definitely a parody of just Bart mania at that point in time? Yeah. The Simpsons being everywhere. Yeah, well, they the sign, the billboard of uh, Get a Mammogram Man yeah. was actually parodying a sign that Fox Studios had up themselves. Really? They had a sign of Bart that they wanted the writers to come up with something different like every day and it was, you know, always do something, man. Or every what. single day? They had to change. Oh, it, maybe every... Um, I think it was every day that they wanted them to change the sign and wow. they said that eventually they just ran out of ideas and they had, like, it would just turn into, like, happy birthday, whoever. Um, <laughs> and then they got away with one... Uh, saying raise productivity, man. <laughs> and, really? Uh, but then eventually it got taken down, but they just left the sign of Bart and they'd still left man. So, like like the blank space, but they hadn't deleted the rest of Is it. Is there images of this billboard? Uh, I don't know. If there uh, are, I haven't seen them. Where'd you hear about this? Audio commentary. Audio commentary, That's yeah. awesome. I've never heard about that story. So, as part of them being rich, we get to see them 
like there's a nice little moment where they get to go to one of the more exclusive restaurants of Springfield yep. where the maitre d' is like, oh, I'm sorry, I have nothing until June. <gasps> the Simpsons, right this way. Fun fact, did you notice the people in the background here? I was going to ask you the exact same thing right then, the blue-haired okay. lawyer. Blue-haired lawyer and Krusty the Clown. Was Krusty the un- It went really sitting quickly. with yeah. some bizarre, entirely red-skinned woman. Red-skinned? Yeah. I I only went frame by frame because I knew it was a kind of a blur. I was like, oh, shit, I think that was crusty. Let's double check. But, yeah, like, it, it's really, really weird if you have a look at it. Not yellow, just red woman. Do you think they sort of just whacked it in, in the I, last minute? I have no idea. Well, how do you think they go through the, the process of deciding which characters go in the background of certain scenes? Do you think they just get bored and like, I'm going to put crusty in there it's, for no apparent reason? I reckon sometimes they might. It's like sometimes when, it's just an intern. Yeah, well, it's it's like when uh, Marge is revealing the painting for Mister Burns. There's just random people like Mo and I think it was White Doctor Hibbert in the background. Yeah, and yellow haired Barney just hanging out. Yeah, it's just really really weird choices. <laughs> it's also in that restaurant scene where they more pointedly start to criticize themselves for how like you know, for how popular the Simpsons have become. Like, oh, if I hear the Simpsons mentioned again one more time, like, yeah, it's, it's so they have a few characters dissing them. Um, and it's kind of that owning the inevitable backlash that was going to come their way for, for the saturation that they had. I see. I, n- I never lived through it, and I wish I did, the whole Bart Mania thing. I wish I got to experience just Bart Simpson being everywhere. It's kind of like when Star Wars came out. You know how Star Wars was just everywhere for like six months? Mm. I wish I got to experience that. Yeah. I never would have got sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, well, yeah, being two or three, it's difficult to have, to really make a comment. But if you're listening and you were around in that point, yeah. particularly if you're in the States, yeah, what was it like? Like, how long did it did it last, and when did it get to the point that people were rolling their eyes of like, oh my god, Bart's trying to sell me something else? Like Bart getting the Thanksgiving Day Parade balloon and stuff like that. That's a big deal in yeah. America. Yeah, I'd really like to hear what your perspective was if you lived through that whole mm. Bart Mania um, situation. Cutting back, Lisa then takes her wish, and of course, Lisa being Lisa, she wishes for world peace. Mm-hmm. And Homer's Lisa, reaction, that's very selfish of you. Homer's reaction is priceless here. <laughs> <laughs> I did like in the whole uh, montage of world peace being created. Mm. My favorite part was the Pentagon being turned into the Five Corner Mall. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And that's exactly what it would be called. But that's the kind of gag, as a kid, you never would have realized what was going on. But yeah. as an adult, you can go back and appreciate that. What did, yeah. what did you like? Did you like Krusty throwing stuff? I won't need this anymore. I won't need this anymore. Yeah, that wasn't too bad. I was a big... F- well, actually, what kind of intrigued me the most was how many people would it actually take to make a gigantic peace sign on the United States that's visible from space? It's a cartoon, so, man. Things don't have to make no, sense. No, 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 I know. But this is the sort of project that I want our listeners to get involved in. So, the land mass of the United States is roughly 9.8 million square kilometers. Did you research this? Yes. I'm very impressed. And they've taken up in that thing pretty much all of the United States. Like, it looks like they've gone from Canada to down edge, to Mexico. Yeah. yeah. And mo- almost to the sides, but, like, they've maybe shaved a little bit off. So, um, yeah. That, that That's all the dimensions that I have. And that was about when I went... I can't be bothered doing any more than this. <laughs> so, I throw it out to you guys. Someone come up with their best estimate of how many people it takes to make that peace sign. You'll win a jar of jelly beans. How many people do you think it took? How many Australians do you think it took to hold up candles to say happy birthday to Mr. Burns? Yeah, well, that's interesting. I'd have to go back to that map that and see how big that was. the entire continent as well. It was the entire continent. <laughs> Probably all of us. <laughs> all 21 million. There's not many of us here, is there? <laughs> we need to bring people in. And then we get the first appearance of Kane and Kodos mm-hmm. in the episode. In the episode, yes. Yes. And the their laugh is extended. Now, apparently it was extended to fill time in this episode. Okay. They did it a couple of times. I've got here, it's a very, very family guy style joke in the sense that people always credit the 
leaving a joke to go long till the point where it becomes annoying and then gets funny again as Family Guy style. No, mm. no, no. The Simpsons were doing it long before Family Guy were doing it. Mm. And it's, it's shown here with Kane and Kodos. Now, it's this segment, it's this part of the, the dream that takes us inspiration from the um, a new Twilight Zone episode, A Small Talent for War. Okay. So, to give people an idea, the new Twilight Zone in the 80s was mixed reviews from critics. It's not a patch on what the original was. I was going to ask you, so that obviously came, what, 20 years later after uh, the original? 20 or 30, yeah. Yep. Twilight Zone, I think, ran 50s to late 50s to early 60s. A long memory. time ago, yeah. But in any, any case, so the, the actual concept of that episode is a really, really cool one where Earth is visited by a race of from space. Yep. Who are rather displeased about the, like they basically it transpires that they've been cultivating Earth, and that they're displeased with what humanity have done with their small talent for war, and say that they're going to bring in a fleet and destroy the planet. The humans plead for twenty four hours to be able to turn things around, and the way they've taken it is like the aliens disappointed in the way we fight, so they try to they do on they turn on a dime and completely dismantle everything. The aliens then come back, and the twist is that they were actually breeding us, they are breeding colonies all throughout space to be able to fight. Their disappointment wasn't that we fought too often, it was that we weren't quite as good as they wanted us to be yet. And, yeah, they destroy the planet. That sounds like a sad ending. Yeah, it is. It's, it's dark. <laughs> it's messed up. It's very, very depressing. I'd forgotten, by the way, as long as we're talking about inspirations, um, and just to, to sidetrack slightly from what we're up to in the episode, The Monkey's Paw, for anyone that's listening, is one of those yeah. classic be careful what you wish for type things where uh, the story involves Mr. and Mrs. White and their adult son, Herbert. Sergeant Major Jim Morris... Uh, blah, 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 a few other people. So anyway, someone having... You know, they come into the monkey's paw. They wish that the family would come into ten thousand dollars to be able to make the final mortgage repayment. <laughs> Don't ask for a million; just enough to cover the bills. Nineteen oh two, ten thousand was plenty. Uh, actually, no, it's not even that much. I think it's two hundred pounds. Sorry, <laughs> he wishes for two hundred pounds. <laughs> Where'd you get ten thousand from? Anyway, continue. <laughs> but in any case, uh, the next day, um, his son leaves for work at the local factory. Later that day, word comes home that Herbert has been killed in a machinery accident. Although the employer denies responsibility for the incident, the firm makes a goodwill payment for the sum of two hundred pounds. Uh, he then wishes him wishes the guy back to life, and he basically comes back as a zombie. So it's just these things of. Yeah, it's a it's a classic tale of be careful what you wish for and yep. don't try to get anything. You know, whenever the Coen brothers do this all the time, whenever someone tries to get something in an easy way, they will get their comeuppance. They'll get what they want, but also they'll pay a price for it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, cut two. So Lisa's got her world peace yep. and Earth just ripe for the taking. Yeah, and so the aliens just come down. Take us over with slingshots and whips. Well, as well Len- not even whips, as, as Lenny says. They conquered us with a club. Wish we'd saved an A-bomb or two. One of my favourite moments in the episode and up there with my favourite Kang and Kodos moment of all time is when the tables get turned. Yeah. <laughs> like later when Flanders makes his wish. I guess my first wish is to get rid of those awful aliens. <laughs> ah, he's got a board with a nail in it. And save humanity, will ya? Run, Kodos. <laughs> but before that happens, of course, Homer makes his wish. It's and amazing. This is where it all falls apart. <laughs> his reaction is priceless. Yeah. Mm, not bad. Nice hot mustard. Good bread. Turkey's a little dry. The turkey's a little dry. Oh, bone the cursed thing! What demon from the depths of hell created me? So he decides he's going to throw the pour out because he's out of wishes, so there's no point keeping it. Yeah. And then Flanders says, what is it? Oh, well, Flanders knows what it is. Oh, is that one of those monkey paws that donates wishes? Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was just sort of easy writing. Just that was, that was, it's in the book of Exodus somewhere, I yeah. think. Yeah. 
And then he says, no, no, you don't want it because it has, oh, wait a minute. You yeah. do want this because he wants to bring misfortune to Flanders, obviously. Flanders takes it and the first thing he says is, let's wish those aliens away. Cut to the scene you mentioned before. Yeah. Where they're after, what is, he, what is he chasing Mo with? I can't remember. It's just a slingshot or something. Or oh, a, a giant slingshot. Yeah, yeah. And then what happens? And then Mo just turns around with a, a fence paling with a nail. A board with a nail in it. <laughs> so they just bail. And then their reaction to that when they fly off, they're going to make a board with a nail so big they'll destroy themselves or something along yeah, those lines. Yeah, it's a little comment on the arms race and the constant one-upping. And then, of course, obviously, uh, Flanders makes his house into, into a, a castle. castle. Yeah. And, and it's kind of cool that like there's no backlash on Flanders because he's such a pure person. But that doesn't make sense, though. Shouldn't it be? Shouldn't it be for whoever owns it? In reality, but I mean, that's the that's the that's comment. That's the audio that, of the episode, yeah. Yeah, that like there's no... He only wishes for things that are so good that there's no possible way that it can backlash on him. I was going to say he only wishes for things that aren't for himself but for others, but the castle's pretty much for himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's the end of the first dream, which is Lisa's dream, obviously. Lisa races into bed with Bart. Offers him a candy necklace to... Which bribes away As in. payment. Yeah. <laughs> I love that he eats it first and then says, get in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> climb forward. And then we get uh, Bart's dream. So, as we said earlier, Harry Shearer is a narrator and does a bang-up job of it. This is a parody of The Twilight Zone, It's a Good Life. If you, and I'm sure I said this in the last Twilight uh, Treehouse of Horror review that we did. If you haven't watched the original Twilight Zone, find them and watch them. They are so goddamn good. And understand that Rod Serling was... Director, creator, narrator did so much really? on those episodes. Like he, it's one of the most phenomenal bodies of work that any one person has ever produced. I mean, they would have got other people writing, but he had so much creative control over what was going into that show and so much creativity about it. Like, you know, normally you watch a show from that vintage and the camera doesn't move. It's very wooden acting and all that sort of thing. This is so ahead of its time that, like, it. I mean, yeah, you can tell it's a little bit older, but it doesn't stick out as being out of fashion or out of date. Was it because companies wouldn't back him financially and he had to do it himself or I don't think so. I think it was just that he you know, he was a visionary. He was a genius visionary and, and he just went, Well, I need to do all this. I'll have to check him out. Yeah. So Bart plays the monster yeah. in this segment. He can read people's minds. He wants everyone to think happy thoughts. Is that what happens in the Twilight Zone or is this just yeah. something funny for the Simpsons? No, in the segment, yeah. So it's kind of um the way they do this segment is it like a mix of the of a parody of the TV episode and then the movie. Like, there were some slight differences between what went to air on TV and what they did for the movie segment. And I actually think they've chosen the best of both worlds and really done a great job of combining them for this segment. So, it is like in the TV show, you have to think happy thoughts or the boy will be upset with you. What he does in that is, you know, threaten to wish people away to the cornfield, which, you know, a little bit of a sign of its times, but that would just mean that you would disappear and not fucking come back. Yeah. In the movie, the kid's a little bit more evil. Like, he manage- he takes the eyes off of his sister at one point. She just has no eyes. Just wow. She'd upset him at some point. <laughs> she said, all right, well, fuck you. You don't get to see anymore. So, no comedic timing in this in this Twilight Zone, then? Not in that one, no. <laughs> there are, again, there are uplifting ones, but we're talking about horror here. Yeah, so. I did like when he changed Snowball, too. Yeah. I completely forgot that that was this episode. Yeah. yeah the, the umbrella and breathing fire. There was a It's ch- good that Bart did that. Yeah. There was a chick last year that did some cosplay of that and it was fucking amazing. We, sh- oh, we did share yeah, the photo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was I really, really that. good. I did like Homer's reaction. He gets it from your side of the family, you know. No monsters on my side. And then Bart decides to take over the school bus. Otto is a bit hesitant but then realizes just who Bart is. Mm. 
He's like, come on, Otto, put it on the gas. Get off the brakes. We're all going to die, aren't we? <laughs> this is great. <laughs> uh, there's another little movie reference. That, there's a lot of movie references packed throughout this episode as well. But when he turns Jasper into the man dog, yep. uh, that is from the 1970s, I think, remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Uh, he also changes the name of America to Bonaland. That's Bart. And America was now discovered in 1942. By some guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They did have some fun with this parody, didn't they? This one wasn't more inspired by the Twilight Zone. It was more just a funny parody of the situation. Or the, of the bit episode. in school, you mean? Yeah. Well, just the whole episode in general, really. Like, like you said, he's, Bart's not evil in this. It, he is evil, but he's not evil to the point where he's making people's eyes disappear. Yeah, no, that's true. It's, more, it's a funny parody. Well, he's also turning Jasper into a dog. Yeah, I know. So he has moments. But do you see what I mean? Like, the monkey's paw was inspired by that and sort of follows the same story. Yeah. Where this one is just sort of the same story, but in a comedic way. Yeah. Uh, he does the mode prank call. Now, fact here. Schwarzwalder wrote it. Mm. Apparently, Hank Azaria detested it. Really? Just didn't even want to do it. And they had to sort of just force him to say the line. He's like, this is just shit. But that's the point of it. Yeah. Like, the, the thing is... Because everyone will do what Bart wants, he doesn't have to be creative with it. Ah, uh, yeah, you're that, right. Like, that's that's where I... In isolation, I'd forgotten that it was from this segment. So, yeah, when I listened to that, I was like, uh, but it's it's the joke of the joke has been pushed so far, but it doesn't matter anymore. You can just say whatever he wants and Mo has to read it out loud. But doesn't Mo act surprised after he says it? He goes, wait a minute. I don't, that's sort of having it a little bit both ways, but it's still definitely in the writing. That's what... The, if the if Mo's not surprised it by it and he's just saying it because he has to, then that's funny. If he acts surprised by it at the end, then it's stupid, in my opinion. Because how would how could Mo repeat that and not think it's a stupid prank? Yeah, call? that's true. But well, your first theory, that's bang on. I didn't even think about it from that perspective. But yeah, Hakazari apparently just, it says on Wikipedia, he just detested the line, just did not want to do it at okay. all. Cut back to the house and they're watching the football on TV mm. and Bart interrupts Homer watching it and Homer tells him to go away or something along those lines. So Bart then turns the football into Homer. And the football has turned into <laughs> a man. And he's supposed, and he, his team loses, obviously. Yeah. Uh, we cut to Krusty the Clown, who's been on air for 346 consecutive hours. Consecutive hours. That's great animation of Krusty in this. Oh, yeah. He looks a wreck. Yeah. <laughs> how many days is that? 24, how many? 10? 15 days? Oh, not even. That's a long time to be on air consecutively. Yeah. <laughs> I did like that he, um, he says, Now let's go over and see if Sideshow Mel has any more of those legal, over-the-counter wake-up drugs of his. <laughs> So then Homer arrives back home. Via taxi. And I love that animation. Just yeah. in the window outside. Bing! But he's already got, already had his head bandaged. Like, <laughs> yeah. I love that. There's, you know, he sought medical attention and then he's come back home. And then, yeah, don't think about it. It's like, the boy can read your thoughts. Just be normal. We're just going to pick up this head and bash him. <laughs> pick up this chair and bash him over the head with and it. bash his head with it. <laughs> just doesn't even look. Just points. Just, yeah. It turns now, this is a bit that comes from the... Twilight Zone TV show. I, I'm not sure if he's his father, but he turns someone who's getting, a, like who starts really firing back at this kid and starts arcing up on him, turns him into a jack-in-the-box, but not okay. a light, like turns him into a jack-in-the-box and that's it. He's dead. Oh. Just kills him. <laughs> okay. So, so he's not alive anymore. No, there's no head. So this is where they take it in more of a comedy route. But is it, is it like a little evil version looking jack-in-the-box of the guy? Uh, like a jack-in-the-box version of the guy, but don't just Don't remember dead. specifically. Okay. I did want to also mention that I appreciated the throwback to the cat still being the yeah. new snowball and she yeah. breathes fire and scares yeah, the dog. hasn't changed her back at all. Yeah, yeah. So, obviously, after all this has happened, Marge is not happy at mm. all. She's turned, or he's turned home into a jack-in-the-box. You're coming with me. Please. Please. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, at Mar- and then we get to oh, sorry, <laughs> Bart's great line after, do- after what's happened Lisa did it oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so she Marge then takes uh, Bart to Dr. Marvin Monroe I always say this I had no idea how many appearances this guy had before they got rid of him yeah he's in so many of the earlier episodes so they're at Marvin Monroe's family therapy center I'm assuming yeah um, he tells Homer to spend more time with Bart yeah which he does I see you agree with me yeah, I'm yeah. not nodding it's the air conditioning yeah. great joke that's one of the more memorable jokes from the from the episode I think yeah, yeah. it's a really nice montage isn't it it is yeah. uh, going to the baseball together going on the roller coaster tucking him in yeah I love the way he tucks him in with his teeth they really utilised Homer being a jack-in-the-box for the humour in this. Like, the ball hitting yeah. him and his head bouncing back and forth. Yeah. On the roller coaster, his head staying there while the rest of him is going yep. taken down. Just really really great work by the animators with this montage here. Yeah. And then the way the episode ends, so, like, they, they bond, obviously, and then Bart changes him back. Yeah. This is where they blend what happens in the movie version of this. So, in the movie version, it's an outsider that's passing through the town and ends up kind of getting sucked into this kid's life. Okay. He doesn't want her to leave. She, and like everyone's so terrified. Who, who, sorry, who doesn't want her? Who? Like the boy. The boy with the powers doesn't so want this person. So, it's a female comes in. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think she's a school teacher or something like that. But at the very least, she, rather than be terrified, kind of sees through it all and tries to reach out to the kid to understand him and offers to be his tutor or something like that. And they end up kind of driving off and as he's in the car with her, he gets her away. From, she gets him away from the family. And as they're driving off, he just starts making flowers appear all over the side of the road. So it's that thing of by reaching out and connecting with him, that's how you stop him from being an evil dickbag. Like not by just going along and saying yes to everything that he says, by actually trying to, you know, to see him as a human. And that's where, like, they get th- that nice blend. Like, they have from the TV turning him into a jack-in-a-box, but then from the movie, it's, it's actually kind of touching that despite the fact that he's done this to Homer, Homer's still been able to reach out with him. He's still been able to see past it. And then his ultimate reward is getting turned back into normal and they're in love. I love that. That's Bart's nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wakes up screaming. Just getting back to the um, the Twilight Zone, though, I just really want to see when he turns the guy into the jack-in-a-box, like you said, and just dead. Yeah, <laughs> I want to see it. That's the end of Bart's dream, and then obviously the two kids both jump into bed with the parents, and Homer needs to get up for work soon. I think it's about four a.m. at the time, so that's why he's got work on his mind because he's thinking, "Gotta go to work. Yeah, gotta work." Uh, so it's Homer's nightmare. And I looked this up that October thirty first, nineteen ninety one, was a Thursday, so he did have to work. That's really well written. <laughs> Small thing, but I was like, I wonder if he actually did have to go to work. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I, for one, appreciate it, that they've gone to that trouble to make it that realistic. It's a Frankenstein parody, I'm assuming. I didn't look too much into it, but it has to be a Frankenstein parody uh, of some sort. Look, little bits and pieces. There's actually, we'll get to it towards the end. Yeah. There's an awful movie that they do reference. What were you going to say then? I was going to swear for, for, <laughs> like, for extra impact. <laughs> I'm like, it's coming. It's coming. But I, I was like, oh, it doesn't need it. Yeah. But a, a really, 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 really terrible movie that you can look up the trailer for called The Incredible Two-Headed Monster oh, or yeah, yeah. The Incredible Two-Headed Transplant. It depends on which country, I believe. Oh, okay. um, but holy hell, does it look bad. And you haven't watched it? I've, Another movie you haven't seen. Have you ever walked out on a trailer before, Dando? How can because- you do that? I looked up this trailer on YouTube. It's a two-minute-long trailer. I couldn't make it to the end of the two minutes. Ooh, it was wow. that terrible. Ooh, what's the, so the attack of the what? Uh, the, just the incredible two-headed, the incredible two-headed transplant. I think is what the it incredible will two-headed transplant come up as on YouTube. We'll have to do a reaction. I video challenge to it. you <laughs> to watch it. <laughs> okay, so Mr. Burns is watching, or Anne Smithers watching the employees on the screen. Mm. Smithers suggests a random firing, you know, just to throw the fear of God. Put into the fear them. of God into them. <laughs> now, you know what I've. 
written down about this, by the way. We spoke about how we're inside each character's mind and subconscious, and you've spoken about how you didn't like Smithers early, but Smithers has been nice. But then here, Smithers is just rather callously saying we should fire somebody. But then I thought, that makes sense, because this is in Homer's head. Yeah. Homer doesn't like Smithers. Smithers has always been kind of a challenge for Homer or someone that's always looked down on him. So, it makes sense that Homer would think that he's an asshole in his dream. Yeah. He would do, go behind his back. But then, at and the end of it, though, he does do the right thing. He does come good eventually, yeah. But, but still... Maybe I, it's because Smithers has come good for Homer. Has he done a good thing for Homer? Well, up to this uh, point yet? other than getting him his job back in Blood Feud. That's what it is. Yeah, I knew there yeah. was something that he did that regained my faith in Smithers. Yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, they choose Homer and they're talking to him over the, the loudspeaker. They're firing yeah. him. And then... Mr. Burns says, to the laboratory. And he's posed then when, when he says that. Do you remember what he looks like? He sort of puts his fingers together and looks into the sky going, oh, check it out. It's hilarious. A little pout. It's, just, it's hilarious. Check it out. Um, it's, a, it's when the music cuts in there. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. And then it has really cool animation. I was going to say, it would have been a nightmare to animate this as they're walking past all the beakers and, yeah. and science-y things. Well, it's, it's said that they, they didn't just want to have them walking through the laboratory. They wanted to make it look really cool. And it, apparently, it was very painstaking. Like it took a long time, but it was well worth it. Because yeah. it might only be five seconds long, but it just adds something to the scene, doesn't it? Yeah. It just yeah. makes it feel like, oh, this is another laboratory, you know? Yeah. So, this is where, um, yeah, that Burns is sort of starts talking about his theory of wanting to get the ultimate employee. Yeah, wants so to build it. Yeah. That, that, what was it? That um, uh, spirit is strong, but the flesh is weak. Yeah. So, he created, you know, uh, steel, which is strong. Um, Pretty much what... Factories are doing these days with yeah. robots. Uh, I love his line, the greatest breakthrough in labor relations since the Cat O Nine Tales. What the hell's that? Um so Cat and Nine Tales Cat and Nine Tales is whip, basically. Oh, uh, okay. But just the way that <laughs> the way that he said that I thought was really, really funny. It is something that Mr. Burns would think too. Mm. And also a little bit of foreboding. I mean it's Homer's dream, so you kind of would assume it anyway, but the robot just looks like Homer. Oh so of course, yeah. Clearly that's where he's gonna go. Yeah. Cut to Homer and the family looking for a job for Homer through the newspaper over the dinner table or the breakfast mm-hmm. table. Uh, Lisa suggests a job, but... Um, Unfortunately, Homer would be not qualified as he doesn't know how to use an ultrasonic lithotriptor. But how hard can it be? How hard could it be? For those playing at home, an ultrasonic lithotriptor is what they use to break down kidney, kidney stones using really? ultrasonic waves. That sounds like it would be difficult. So, very hard, Homer. Very, very you hard. You would think. <laughs> so, that's when Bart uh, suggests that he becomes a grave digger and does the evil laugh. It's another one of those over-the-top things for this story. Yeah. I feel there's a few of them throughout this. Like the Mr. Burns' pose when he says... To the laboratory. That's yep. the over-the-top part for this segment as well. There's a few of these throughout it. Uh, they cut to Mr. Burns, or Homer's digging for Willie. What, he wouldn't bury or something? Wouldn't I bury- wouldn't bury my turtle in that mud pile. <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible groundskeeper, Willie. It's an okay Scottish. It was more Connolly than anything. It was. It was. But uh, Homer doesn't seem phased by what Willie said. He's like, I'm just going to go to sleep. <laughs> what a slave driver. Oh, well, just laid out. Yeah. And then Smithers and Burns rock up because they're going to go grave robbing. Because they need a human brain. They need brain. a human brain. And where better to find one? I would. You'd have to get a really fresh... Like, not to... I was watch, When I was watching this, I'm thinking, okay, so a non-functioning brain would work then. Yeah. I, I don't know a lot about the logistics of grave robbing, but I would assume the brain is one of the first things to go. We really need to question ourselves why we're questioning that when he's going to be putting a brain into a robot and it's going to turn into a human. No, because I like to question my things in, <laughs> in cookbook order. I sure hope somebody got Step paid one, blender. obtain brain. <laughs> Well, I th- I'm just thinking, if you want a brain to bring a robot to life, surely the brain... Should be alive. Should be alive. And if it's in a dead body, the brain ain't alive. Mm. They, obviously, they find Homer, and they put him in the bag. Smithers is a bit uneasy because he can hear something coming from the bag. Did you hear that, sir? No, I didn't. Who is it? 
Frankenstein? The Booger Man? It's the man in the bag, sir. I think he's alive. Ooh. Bed corpse. Bed corpse. Scaring Smithers. Satisfied? Thank you, sir. Cut to the surgery. Now, this is both funny and gross. I don't know about you, right? Mm. But it just makes me feel funny now. The sound effect of the brain getting ripped out of the head just gets me every time. Uh, okay, I've watched a lot of The Walking Dead over the years, so I guess I'm a little desensitized to it. But it's just the sound effect. You know, like when you watch someone get kicked in the balls on TV, you instantly mm. just go, oh, yeah, yeah. Whenever that you hear that, like the ripping it out, I'm just, just like, you I grab just grab back brain. my head. I'm like, <laughs> don't touch my brain. <laughs> don't touch it. I did like, though, this isn't rocket science, it's brain surgery. Pass me the ice cream scoop. <laughs> ice cream scoop? <laughs> like Smithers is just completely bewildered. Ice cream scoop? Apparently, Harry Shearer really loved the line about I'm Davy Crockett. During the table read, he was up, like, miming that and prancing about the room. Was it Harry, was it? Because on Wikipedia, just as one of the writers. So, they got oh. their facts completely wrong. Because I'm assuming you got that from the audio commentary. Yeah, unless I wasn't listening, but I'm sure it would have been. Yeah, yeah. That makes way more sense. Because I said here, yeah, whoever was reading it out was actually acting it out. Yeah. Yeah, because they really liked the line. That makes much more sense. And I would, I would love to see the footage of Harry Shearer doing that. Yeah. I wish there was footage of the table reads from the early... The early oh, yeah. How great would that have been? Oh, it just feels like such a lost opportunity, the amount of stuff we missed out on. You know, yeah. Like just the whole... Even Conan O'Brien doing wacky dances in the writing room and just... Yeah. Anything. Watching that, watching that creative process and, and, yeah, watching them go to work would have been phenomenal. Just watching them spending hours trying to work out what to put on the church sign. Yeah. Just little shit like that. Because you can tell they would have spent hours thinking of random shit like that. So, as we said, we got the, I'm Davy Crockett. Now, did you also notice here, when Mr. Burns takes out the brain, Mm. what is he humming? Oh, no, I didn't notice. From The Wizard of Oz. If I only had a brain. Ah, that's a nice touch. Yeah. Yeah, cool. The only reason I knew it is because I was watching The Wizard of Oz. I bought it on 3D. Okay. Blu-ray the other day. There's a movie that needs to be made 3D. It's awesome. Check it out. (laughs) Um, But it's just like little things like that. As a kid. Completely over my head, but it's just a really, like you said, a really, really nice touch. Yeah. I did also like, too, that as they're going through the process of putting the brain into the robot and bringing it to life, they had to stop for pizza. They were hungry. Yeah. As everyone would be. Yeah. (laughs) Brain surgery takes a while. (laughs) Were they wearing their gloves still? I didn't... Oh, yeah. No, I don't know. That's a detail that's pushing me too far. (laughs) That would be cool. So, they insert the brain and the Frankenstein robot comes to life and it just instantly becomes Homer. And it's got Homer's voice and everything. Goes straight for the donuts. So, it's already on a bad start. Cuts to Marge worrying. The kids didn't even realize that Homer wasn't there. Marge is just like, he hasn't been here for two days. Kids are like, really? And I did like that. They needed to put that in there because I was starting to think, how long has Homer been missing for? Yeah. Why isn't anyone looking for him? Yeah. You know? She's right. (laughs) (laughs) What do you know? And then uh, Mr. Burns is just distraught because basically this whole plan has just failed. Mm. He's just, he's become Homer. Yeah. Now there's a little, I love when he like bashes through the walls to get to the donuts. Yeah. What it made me think of was... Uh, from the comic book The Death of Superman I, just the sheer soul-mindedness of it it reminded me of Doomsday and like the the opening few panels or the opening few pages of The Death of Sup- Superman is just this um, I think it simply says like somewhere Doomsday is coming and it might like show him bashing through some shit from memory okay. and that that was exactly what I thought of as Homer was running through so for Superman fans out there I, I'm sure it's, it's in no way inspired by it's just something that I looked at and went oh yeah Kind of makes me think of this. So it's just interesting that to hear what you saw when you watched that. Because I don't know anything about Doomsday, but I'm sure people who out there listening now who know Doomsday will probably listen, watch it now and go, yeah, you're right, Mitch. Yeah, I am right. <laughs> yeah, always right. <laughs> I, and we get the uh, I owe you a Coke yes, gag. I, yeah, from the shinning as well. They, yeah. they use it again. They do have Mr. Burns a couple of times here say the line that you like, 
Hello. <laughs> he says it twice in this episode. When he finds Homer in the grave. Yep. And oh, it's when they're in the surgery. He says it at some okay. point anyway. Uh, so Mr. Burns is giving up. He says, throw the, the brain in the bin. Smithers suggests, you know, maybe the family would appreciate if you give the brain back to its rightful owner. Yeah. So he does. This is where it sort of gets a bit ridiculous. I love Homer's the stitching. Ow. Yeah. Ow. Ow. I do like when he cut his brain open. It just sort of rolled around on the floor like a bowl. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then we get Burns's demise, where he goes over. And does he kick the robot? His, he he, he kicks it because it. he's, oh, he's actually, just angry at it for not working. There's basically. a Wizard of Oz reference there. Yes, in his line, yeah. the, uh, you, was it was at Collagenous Cogs. You, um, there's a bunch of other C's. In yeah, there. It's a, it, what was it, what the Oz says to the Tin Man. Yeah, yeah, what the, the Oz. The Oz. Says. Yeah. <laughs> What the wizard says to the Tin Man. Uh, but he kicks it. And then we get a little Prometheus moment where instead of just taking two steps to the right, he keeps running the long way. Yeah. yeah. I love how slow he is. Run, yeah. sir. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's that? It's just so funny. And just completely crushed from the neck down. He just gives up. Yeah. And then he's just describing his symptoms. Yeah. <laughs> Organs leaking vital fluids. Yeah. <laughs> so he tells Smithers to go get some tools and some ether. Mm-hmm. Is that where Homer wakes up screaming? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. And then... Homer delivers a line for going to the toilet that I'm not sure that I've heard before. What does he say? Got to go shake the dew off the lily. Is that what he says? Mm. That's kind of creepy. A little bit. (laughs) I did like that that he's not... I don't like Homer referring to his penis and particularly not having dew on it. You know what I hate? I don't know whether it's just an Aussie thing, but I hate it when someone says, more than two shakes and you're playing with yourself. Um, (sighs) No, I'm pretty sure I've seen that in a... Oh, I think movie. good. I think good. Charlotte said it in one of their songs. Actually, um, shake it three what's times. That, what's that Rob Schneider piece of shit film where he becomes Don't you a dare girl? Say Juice Bigelow. No, no, no. He becomes a woman. <laughs> I know the one you mean. Yeah, yeah. That 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 line was used in the trailer in that, so it's obviously made its way over to America it's as just, well. Oh, it's just terrible. Anyway, so Homer wakes up screaming. It's not because he's having a nightmare. It's because Bart bit him. Mm. I tried to scream him, but his mouth was full of flab. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's where Homer goes into the bathroom, turns on the light, and discovers that Mr. Burns' head is attached to him. Yeah. This ending is so bizarre. Like, it just... I don't know what to make of it. Well, it's just that little leave you hanging of, like, has he woken up? Has he not? It's just, uh, is that what it's it's just a little bit of a, a rug pull, I suppose. Or, like, another bait and switch. It's ripping off th- Inception. You think <laughs> you think that it's over. That's right. Did the t- 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 did Homer's spinning top topple? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you think he's woken up and you go, oh, he hasn't really woken up. And then they just have that incredibly camp sitcom at the very end. Yeah. Which Next I- week on The Simpsons. Yeah. Don't forget, Dad. Tonight my class is having an all-you-can-eat spaghetti dinner. Mmm, spaghetti. But Homer, tonight's our reception for Queen Beatrix of the Netherlands. Oh, I hate having two heads. It was a funny ending. I remember as a kid, I'm like, I don't know what is going on here. But, you know, it's just a parody. It's yeah. just meant to be funny. And then, yeah, so the, the as I said, the movie that we're talking about, the the two-headed monster or two-headed transplant. Depending okay, on the terrible thing. So yeah. that, holy Jesus. But that's what, what, very much... What, what years are from? Uh, 70s. Oh, really odd, okay. It's like Hamer Horror type yeah. stuff. Uh, but that is where you get that, like the the way Burns is drawn is almost taken exactly from the way really? these people are in there. Yeah, not his facial design, just the way he's attached. Or? The way he's attached. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's basically the movie's about a mad scientist that just keeps attaching to it. There's, I shit you not, there is a scene in this trailer where he's going through his laboratory and there's like a pigeon with another pigeon head attached, and then there's a rat with another rat head attached. He's like um the professor from South Park. Uh, I, I forget his that character's actual name, but like the mad. Doctor, yeah, that has the that weird little monkey. Keeps getting dude. the five asses, yeah, like, all these different animals with five asses. Yeah. That's what this guy did. All these different animals with two heads. So what do they get? A real life pigeon, like a dead no, pigeon? No, it's clearly head. not real. It's not a real pigeon. 
I don't, no. It's, oh, okay. Well, these guys, it's these, the 70s. They can do what they want with animals <laughs> and movies. <laughs> well, that's true. But no, there was no budget. They couldn't afford real pigeons. Okay. So, your final thoughts on this. I've basically got here quality writing. It's better than the first Treehouse of Horror, but like at the end of the day, it's kind of forgettable. Yeah, it is a little bit for me passable. Like, yeah. Like, it's, it's worth going back and watching just for that nostalgia factor, but it's not standout funny or anything. No, like, it wasn't, got, the last wasn't. The last segment is really good. I did like the last one. I think it's a... More like what we come to know Treehouse of Horror is becoming. Yeah. The last segment. More sort of violent, I guess, and out there. It's The first two are a bit... Eh, it's the, an the, episode the, that it, you're going to get a lot out of if you are a really hardcore movie nerd or horror fan. Because there are a lot of references yeah. to t- classic horror and classic kind of sci-fi and that sort of stuff. But by the same token, it's just not laugh out loud funny. It's more that you're going to spot things and go, oh, that's cool. They put that in there. But less about, you know, really laughing. And... If I was going to look at it critically, for the most part, I think the best things about a lot of their segments were actually the things that were taken from what they were ripping off, or not ripping off, but like from what they were um, being influenced by. Whereas I think to be a great parody of something, the best stuff still needs to be from what your spin on it was. Yep. Whereas in this, the best twist endings were the twist endings that already existed and and that sort of thing. Like I don't think their jokes surpassed the source material. Well, the first two segments, Lisa's and Bart's Dreams, similar to the first Treehouse of Horror, where there wasn't much violence mm. in them. I guess in oh, I guess Bad Dreamhouse did have some violence, but didn't actually see the results of anything. It's just the idea was that they're going to stab each other to death and whatnot. Mm. But see, in the final segment here of Homer's Dream, you see him getting his brain ripped out and stuff like that, and, and getting beaten to death. Well, not beaten, was it not beaten to death, but beaten in the sack and stuff beaten like in that. The sack burns crushed. That was the first time you sort of they really started to push the boundaries a bit more, getting away with what they can in the yeah. Halloween episodes. Yeah, because they're non-canon. What do we learn, Palmer? Liam Malone, do your homework. <laughs> no one else at home will have any idea. That means nothing it. to other listeners, but Liam, get to work. Yeah. <laughs> So what'd you learn, Mitch? Uh, look, it's difficult on the Treehouse of Horror episodes, but I suppose if I was going to call something off the top of my head, it would be be careful what you wish for. That's actually a really good one. But it's, <laughs> it's thrown me. Like I'm, I'm expecting something from the episode. Well, that's sort of like a what's what's the word for it? Well, it is from the episode. It's just a theme. It's a life lesson. It is a life lesson. <laughs> that's, that's, I can't top that. Oh, that's it. <laughs> okay. Alrighty. So let's get into some trivia. I've got a question here. What does Bart originally want to use the paw for? What is his original wish? Oh, for the monkey paw. Yeah. I thought, I thought you meant the paw, as in... Oh, no. <laughs> the um, monkey paw. Um, no, I don't remember. Him and Lisa are debating. I don't remember. Something about weapons? X-ray specs. Ah, uh, okay. It's X-ray specs. Peace on Earth. X-ray specs. Okay. Well done. Yep. Um, you know, I don't actually have any trivia that I haven't already read out loud. Like, I, I got so excited with giving bits of backstory. I did it with the blue head lawyer. Yeah, yeah. That I wrote down everything. And said everything out loud, which was rather silly of me. I have a really, really good question here. I'm impressed with this question. Okay. You ready? Hit me. The Twilight Zone episode, It's a Good Life, mm. also inspired the third segment of Twilight Zone, the movie. Yes. Which Simpsons cast member made their film debut in this movie? Oh, I like this. It's a good one, isn't it? Yeah. Male or female? I can't tell you. Damn it. <laughs> um... <laughs> It's in the 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 family. In the f- uh, in the family, it's not Nancy Cartwright. Is yep, it? Nancy Cartwright. Did she play one of the daughters. Don't know who she played. Gotcha. I think, yeah, I, I have a feeling it might have been one of the sisters of the boy in that segment. Okay, that is a very cool connection. Mm. And well done to me for picking that. Yeah. <laughs> one more final thing about um that movie actually. By the way, the final segment of that they do uh, terror at thirty thousand feet, which obviously 
Simpsons five and a half later feet. do tear it five and a half feet. Oh, that's the one with John Lithgow on the yeah, plane. Exactly. Yeah. So goddamn good. How creepy is the thing when he opens up the window? Yeah. It's creepy as all yeah, shit. Really yeah. scary demon. Debail! Debail is here! Ooh! Alrighty, so it's time for the mailbags, shout outs, correspondences, whatever Mitch likes to read out. What have you got for us this week, Mitch? <laughs> whatever Mitch likes to read out. Uh, that's true. This is this, this is where the show runs off the right the rails. And no, I you know what? Do whatever I like. This is where I say um a lot and you go uh a lot. I think it's because we're just relaxed. You've got the feet up on the couch now, you're relaxed. It's also because I'm reading through emails and yeah. I, I'm trying to remember what did I see, what did I like. Well, they don't speak I proper like. English, do they? You've got to try and make sense of what they're writing to us. Most of it, our <laughs> listeners are idiots. We're joking. <laughs> Mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com.au if you want to send something in, send it in. We've been getting still some uh, people giving their thoughts on who would be cast in the live-action Simpsons. We've mm-hmm. got a great one this week. Who'd you say it was? John Favreau for Homer? John Favreau for Homer. Yeah, yeah. that would be great. Uh, uh, or John Goodman back in the day, but he's probably a little bit old for it now. He was a great Fred Flintstone in his day. He was so good as yeah. Fred Flintstone. Oh, man. The, That's the, one of those great bad movies. The, the original Flintstones movie is great. Like, as, as, like you said, it's a bad movie, but when you're a kid, even now, if you just switch your brain off, it is a really fun movie. Now, before we get into the proper correspondence, we do have one very, very special shout-out this week. That we do. Uh, I'm hoping that this will get uploaded on the exact date. We might be a day off. But in any case, we have a message here for a, uh, well, a very loved girl. There's no other way to put it. She featured in our Joe Montaigne interview. She does feature in our Joe Montaigne interview, which was originally going to go up after we'd recorded this. Which is why we don't know whether it's going to go up in time. Exactly. Hopefully it is. (laughs) But in any case, uh, Katie, we would like to, well, not we, but your very loving fiancé, Cooper. (laughs) <laughs> Your very loving fiancé, Alad, would like to wish you a very happy birthday. So, from what we understand, we've organised a uh, an overnight stay at a spa, uh, what he's describing as a creme de la creme room. He uses the words creme de la creme about four times in this email, so he's obviously very pleased with the room that he's organised for you, Katie. Treatments, an evening meal, and etc. I assume that's a euphemism. What's the etc? Uh, poker night. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but a little fun fact for the for our listeners, it's the same Katie that submitted the story of her past boyfriend Cooper and the 10p carrier bag that he wanted back. The creme de la creme of bags. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, so despite all of that, despite the fantastic room and the massage, as far as as far as he's concerned, the best birthday gift that we can possibly give is a happy birthday shout out to you. So I am dedicating this podcast to you, Katie. Happy birthday. I hope you enjoy, and I hope the etc. is as good as I hear it can be. You're officially famous. How does it feel? Moving on now. Uh, Nick Langdon has written in with one of the longer emails that we've got. Now, he'd like to point out a few things where I've gotten some things wrong in the past. So, pedantic point number one. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold the phone. What happened? Dando made some errors. Oh. Uh, um, Now, the... In Bart the Murderer, the chart in the courtroom was actually referencing The Godfather Part 2. I believe I said it was Scarface. My apologies. I remember reading that thinking Mitch is going to read this and be irate at himself. I was a little annoyed. (laughs) Also, Chernobyl nuclear reactor was not in Russia, but rather in the former Soviet Soviet Union. And today is in the Ukraine. It's the same thing. It's all there nearby. They're all wearing woolly hats. When I was editing, I said, I know that was, I knew you were wrong, but I decided just not to tell you. Okay. Well, thanks. (laughs) Thanks for that. Dickbag. I think that's the second time I've used dick bag this episode. Yeah. After how, how many episodes have we done? This is about fifty fourth, fifty fifth. We did, we didn't celebrate fifty. No, we didn't. That was our moment. Yeah. Just a little quiet raise. We're too busy celebrating fifty thousand likes on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> too busy celebrating lining up interviews with Joe Montana. Yeah. 
All right, now, Nick, there's a lot in this email that I'm probably going to just come back to over the next few weeks because I want to share the love, but he does have a fantastic anecdote about cheapskates that he's borrowed. So, can we please hit the My Two Cents theme? I'm Kent Brockman, and that was My Two Cents. I love this. <laughs> uh, now, this is from... Uh, this is He overheard this on Merrick Rosso's show um, on Triple J. And they had a regular segment called Tight Ass Tuesday. I think every FM radio show at some point has done Tight Ass Tuesday. Yep. It's a sign, Throw, throwback Thursday. It's a sign <laughs> that you've run out of ideas. That's why I'm doing it here. One of his favourite ones that he remembers was a caller that said that their dad wouldn't turn on lights at home for fear of running up the power bill... So, what he would do instead was take a chair outside at night and read the newspaper under the streetlight. That's amazing. That is tight. <laughs> Utilising the city's power. Yep. That's, uh, what about that's when it was really, cold, though? Really good. He's also provided me a really handy link where I can just get a whole bunch of stories like this. But please keep your tight-ass submissions coming in. If it's cold, I assume he would read the paper and then wrap it around himself with every page that he'd finished. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. insulation and warmth. Now, actually, before I move on, there is one other question from Nick that he, that he Two did. Two questions. Two, well, the first well, one wasn't really a question. It was a tight ass plus yeah. a question. He's referencing the Like Father, Like Clown episode and yeah. the joke uh, about telling Krusty's father that they, um, Saul, was Saul Bellow wanted to have lunch with him. Now... Saul Bellow, basically, as he points out, this is something that goes over to like 99.99998% of adult viewers of The Simpsons, but he was a very well-respected literary novelist whose Judaism was, uh, to quote Martin Amis, the fact that he's even quoting some guy that I haven't heard of is why this goes over <laughs> so many people's heads. Uh, was close to the heart me at Saul. Wheel of Fiction. <laughs> he points out the joke of Saul Bellow and, and how that is a fairly unknown author, but it's very true to the episode that that would have meant a lot to Rabbi Krostowski who okay, wanted yeah. to be able to meet with him. So, in any case, he was saying about how to be able to make a joke like that, so many of the Simpsons writers are just stupidly over-educated and over-qualified to be able to do what they do. Um, but his way of linking that back to a question about us is wanting to know what sort of novelists we like to read. What books do we read? What turns our pages? R.L. Stein. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who did the Babysitter's Club? <laughs> My Little Pony. <laughs> uh, for me, I love... Look, I've got a, a fairly broad spectrum. Like, I would consider the, the cheapest writing that I would go and enjoy like just if I want a page turning book I do like a John Grisham like kind of legal thriller but Stephen King yeah um, some Stephen King I've read in the past I really like Firestarter some of his books I find a little bit during the really crazy coke years like when he was just off his head on drugs I find it hard to read a lot of what he was doing at the time but what about Tom from House of Cards yeah <laughs> I love everything that's written on House of Cards <laughs> his biography on Hank Scorpio was fantastic um uh, Brett Easton Ellis is one of the favourite authors of mine and I guess anyone that kind of wrote in that kind of alternative um, style I really like some of Cormac McCarthy's work like The Road is a fantastic book as much as it just fucks with every form that you know about writing and then I really like reading a lot of the sort of classics like you know your Dracula's your Frankenstein's um, currently I have a couple of uh, Alexander Dumas books at home so reading through the Count of Monte Cristo at the moment and those sorts of things so stuff that is a little bit I like the older style of writing where they really know how to use language as poetry. And Brett Easton Ellis was really great as, at that as well. Like within a story, he would just construct this sentence that was so great that it would make you want to read it three or four times before moving on. Like just the way the words flow from one into the other. Well, I don't read much. <laughs> I'm not even going to pretend to know many authors. You read a lot of biographies though. Yeah, I do. I See, 
No, I, I listen to audio biographies. I, I listen to them. I go on Audible and just get books off there and listen to them expl- and reading it to me. Mm-hmm. I just... I find that quite often, maybe it's just something in my mental capacity. I don't know. But I'll be reading a book. I'll get to the end of the page and I can't even remember what I just read. Okay. I just It's like I don't take it in just properly. Just sidetracked a little but bit. But if I'm listening to it, I absorb it better. Okay. I don't know what it is, but yeah. So I'd, I just don't read too much. Have you ever listened to the, the World War Z audio book? No. As much as that's obviously not a biography, check yeah. that out. Because they got like, they cast 40 or 50 different actors to do voices yeah. for it. Yeah. And uh, I... You could look them up, but like Simon Pegg did a voice, but there's a few really, really recognisable voices in there that are very, very cool. One autobiography for all you Australians out there that I did read, which was good, was the Molly Meldrum one. Even though it did feel at some points that he was just name dropping. Okay. Oh, I hung out with this person, I hung out with that person, blah, blah, blah. blah. But it was a really interesting read for all you Australians out there. Cool. I suppose internationals probably have heard of Molly Meldrum. Some people would have, internationals. Uh, yeah, I suppose. Probably Maybe. in the UK. He's the, dude, he's the music dude that wears the cowboy hat. Yeah. You might know him by that. Anyway, so moving on, next question. Okay, Joseph Ainscoff. This is probably one of the better questions we've been asked in our time doing this show. Sorry to everyone else, but this is just really, really interesting. You're all shit. Shit. We're going back to Clay Davis. Uh, Me and my friends were recently talking about last meal requests if we were on death row. Pasta, by the way, always pasta. Which got us talking about... uh, I don't know, because I just want a really hearty meal. What kind of pasta? Uh, I'm thinking like a really beefy lasagna. Okay, so lasagna sounds better than just pasta. I will give you that. I would want... I love Nicola's... It's got to be Nicola's chicken risotto. <laughs> got to get her in. <laughs> anyway, continue. Uh, it got us talking about what if we traded our last meal request for an episode of... Our, a last episode of our favourite TV shows. Me and my friend decided that we'd have to pick an episode of The Simpsons. So it got us wondering if we had to pick an episode that we knew would be the last episode we were ever going to watch before dying, what would it be? I know I've said this before, mm. but 22 short films about Springfield, purely because if it's the last episode I'm ever going to see, I know that it gives so many sub-characters their own story that I can appreciate. Okay, fair enough. So, it's not just a whole... It's not like a town hall meeting where it has all the characters. Like So many sub-characters have a story and purpose in that episode mm-hmm. that it involves enough of Springfield for me to... If it's my last hurrah, I want to see as many characters as I can in a fulfilling storyline as I can. Well, that's, that's fair. I, Plus, it's just a great episode. I reckon I'd go with a beer baron. Yeah? Um, but just because it's kind of a fuck you to law enforcement. Okay. If I'm on death row, I want to be a little bit sarcastic and just, you know, I, hopefully I'm being executed by uh, way of catapult. <laughs> could tie in nicely. If I was to expand it and I could choose any last episode of any TV show, MASH, goodbye, farewell, and amen. Cause it goes How for, great is that? It goes for like three hours and that gives the president more time to be able to call and stay by execution. <laughs> How good is it when he's flying off at the end? Oh, man. God. Just, you cannot possibly not cry. Nah. If you haven't watched MASH, a lot of people our age don't even give MASH a second thought. It's a mm. fucking amazing show. Yeah, it is. It, it goes it goes into some weird places when Alan Alda directs the episodes. Yeah, it sort of gets like, a bit serious, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, they lose the laugh track. And you see them in marathons, like on Foxtel or something like that, where they'll have four episodes lined up. And I remember one night that we had it on. We weren't fully watching it, but we were watching it. It's, a, it's good filler, and, isn't it, just in yeah. the background? And for two episodes, it was all lighthearted. And we were chuckling and like, this is really good. And then about 15 minutes into the next one, we we're like, shit, the mood's low. Like, we were just really flat. And then I realized, I was like, oh, shit, this is one of the Alan Older ones. No one's laughed for like 10 minutes. Nah. But, yeah, that said, Goodbye, Farewell and Amen, one of the greatest finales of any TV show of all time. And I think just like the, the numbers of people that watched that, it was 
like 70, 80 million something. I'm pretty bigger, sure hundreds still of millions. to this point, it's the highest rated finale of all time. I think so. Possibly, I don't think maybe, Seinfeld No, Seinfeld didn't beat it. Nah. Um, maybe Dallas? No. Or was that just the Who Shot JR episode? Yeah, that was yeah, really that, was, that was a cliffhanger. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I, it would have to be and been replayed so many times. Yeah. But yeah, so for me, that just because it's so long. What I loved about MASH 2, just quickly, was the fact that they pushed a band, or not pushed a band, they tried new things that shows hadn't really done before up to that point. Like, for example, the whole episode being seen through a patient's eyes. Yeah, right. So like you see him get taken out of the truck and like Alan Order looking down at him saying, you're going to be all right, kid. You're going to be all right. And the whole episode is through his eyes. Yeah, cool. So stuff like that is really, really cool. I liked yeah. it. And final question. Uh, well, this one's really just for me, but you might have been... You know, there might have been times where you've done this outside of this the limited scope that what we've got here. This comes from Alistair Woolgar from the New Zealand in Wellington. The. Yes. The, the new. The, the New Zealand. Uh, as he wanted to say, firstly, fantastic job with seasons three and two. Hasn't quite managed to listen to all of season one yet, but he's going through it. For someone who spends hours on the road, he's found the podcast a godsend to stop the boredom. You, you live in one of the most beautiful fucking countries in the world. How do you, how are you bored when you're on the road? Surely there's just pretty mountains all... We have the Great Ocean Road like 15, 20 minutes from our house. Yeah, and I never get bored when I'm driving along it. No, but I, I guess it's sort of different in the sense that people come here, they say, let's go to it. And I'm like, it's just the Great Ocean Road. <laughs> like, I'm, not, I'm not amazed by it anymore. Yeah, fair enough. Know? So the question directed at me. So um, Alistair is a fellow cricketer and has found that we're constantly inventing ways to unsettle the opposing batsmen. So his question is, have you ever sledged someone with a Simpsons reference? Now, for American listeners, um, sledging trash talk, basically, when you're out on the sporting field, uh, or being sledged by a Simpsons reference. Nothing gives me greater pleasure fielding it gully, and watching, so gully sort of side onto the wicket, watching a ball go flying past a batsman's face for someone to yell out, Dental plan! <laughs> I remember once playing football, mm. Aussie rules football, it wasn't like a local club. It was inter-school sports. And, yeah, so, and okay. someone who played on my football team but went to a different school was playing against me. And I did something. I can't remember what it was. And he yelled out. His name was Pete. And he yelled out, you suck, Dando. And I said, suck like a fox. <laughs> no one got it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn it. I look like a dickhead. The only one that we've ever, that I can think of that really springs to mind. One of the guys at our club. I wasn't, even, I wasn't actually playing this game, to be honest. But the story made its way back to me. One of the guys at the club, uh, his name was Andrew Bars. And somebody in a perfect Mayor Quimby voice at one point referred to him as two ice cream bars. Yeah. <laughs> and that stuck for like maybe two weeks. Yeah. But it was enough for me. Like within the club, it stuck for two weeks. Within myself, I've been laughing about that for the last eight years. Like, did anyone else appreciate it except for you? Uh, well, there, were a, couple, there funny. were a couple Simpsons fans on the field. Yeah. Alrighty, so is that the mailbag for this week, Mitchell? That's the mailbag done and dusted. Is your for name the actually week. Mitchell? It is, yeah. In it full. Is. I wasn't sure. Oh, actually, I know it is. Because old Brownie referred to you as Mitchell. Brownie? The guy I work with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the guy who looked after me for a little bit when I was a five-year-old. <laughs> He'd be happy to know that I went camping over the weekend. You he was. I actually told him that and he goes, you're joking. <laughs> <laughs> it only took 23 years to get me back in the tent. Yeah, I know, right? So, thanks for listening to our review of Treehouse of Horror 2. As we said, it's not a terrible episode by any means, but it's not... Certainly not the best. They hadn't found their groove of the Treehouse of Horrors yeah, yet. Not the most memorable of them. No. it's the, the final segment's probably the best, in my opinion. Thanks to everyone that's liked us on Facebook this week. Facebook.com slash Four Finger Discount. Follow us on Instagram at Four Finger Discount. Follow us on Twitter at, at Four Finger, Four Finger Pod. Pod. You've been uh, trashing our local mayor. 
I did that off my own profile. Oh, see, I thought you did a four-finger disc. For for those, some people have written into Geelong. Are you the ones like with the mayor with the weird colours? He's been sacked. Yeah. (laughs) Officially today, our local mayor and and council were so bad that the state government had to step in in an unprecedented move and say, you don't get to do it anymore. And Geelong doesn't get an election for another four years. You're just, you're done. We're taking the keys off you. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to run shit. You're that bad at what you're doing. <laughs> so, I'm very proud of our fair city. Is that why you're so upbeat today? That is. <laughs> also, as we said at the start of the episode, don't forget to check out, if you haven't already, our interview with Joe Montagna. Joe Montagna. It was an experience, to say the least. It was a thrill. It was, yeah. it was, an, it was an absolute delight and pleasure to be able to talk to the guy. But yeah. Uh, it's one of those ones that, if not just for us, then for Joe, like share it amongst your friends, get other people to listen to it. You know, we, the guy's there to promote himself as much as yeah. talk about the show and help us out. And the more shares and more listens it gets, hopefully opens the door for bigger and better interviews. Exactly. Would, we really want. Who's the one we want besides Matt? Is it Al Jean Silverman? Well, I think we can get Silverman. I, I'm, I'm got my fingers crossed that Silverman's going to happen. I think Al Jean's going to be the hard one. Algene would be tough. Yeah. Algene would be the one that if you're half an hour late for, then that's it. You don't get to see him again for another three months. I think, though, if we got the chance to talk to Gene, that he'd just be an absolute champion. Yeah. I think he'd just just love it. If you could find the time to slot it in, then yes. Once he starts talking, I think he'd be brilliant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, thanks for listening to our review, guys, of Trails of Horror 2. Mitch, any final words? No, but if you are out there on the road, have a look around you. Just take things in. Enjoy it. I was expecting a dick bag reference. Well, there's only so many that I can get by the census. Dick bag. We've just hit our quota. We're going to be pulled off iTunes. <laughs> <laughs>